Hey everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of the Behold Podcast on the Genre Equality Channel. I'm Hitzer. I'm Hadi. Hey, what a big surprise. Hey, um, this is this is not Hard Hits, by the way. <laughs> this is the Genre Equality Channel. Um, Hadi makes his uh, in-ring debut yeah. uh, um, <laughs> in, in our spin-off show, Behold. Um, I, to, to my knowledge, you've never been on our, on our spin-off episode. Uh, no, uh, no. Oh, not yet, right? Not so yet. this is your first one. Yeah. Um, that's quite exciting. Um, and I thought Hadi's debut episode on Behold would be perfect for the first time we ever covered sports TV shows. Mm-hmm. So on the 47th episode right here, we'll be discussing some of our favorite fictional live action TV shows about sports. Mm. Um, with clear eyes and full hearts, we'll be delving into <laughs> Friday Night Lights, Ted Lasso, Brock Meyer, uh, and then Sports Night. But before we get into you know, those four topics, mm-hmm. right? Um, I just want to clarify that, again, we're talking about live action sports shows. Yeah. Meaning, fictional shows, so no actual sports here. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, no anime, although I know some of you may be disappointed in that, but we've co- we cover a lot of sports anime already on genre yeah. quality, so we figured we'll go a different route. And, and behold, is And also no so- documentaries, obviously. Yeah, um, fictional live action TV shows. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for us to talk about Haikyuu, or slam dunk or whatever. It's not here. I'm sorry, and and we won't be reviewing, you know, the NBA or what happened on the NFL or the Super Bowl or anything ever. These are fictional live action TV shows. No, we are my um, future podcast. <laughs> sure, why not? You know, I tune into Hardy's future sports podcast, uh, co-hosted by Pat McAfee or something. <laughs> wow, you know? hundred twenty million dollar man, you sure? <laughs> Yeah, that's a spare change for you, right? <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, before we delve into our four main topics here, are there any um, honorable mentions from the world of fictional live action sports shows that you want to give a shout out to? Like stuff that we're not covering, but you know, uh, is near and dear to your heart. I mean, if, if we are talking about um, fictional, again, fictional live action, right? Mm-hmm. I would say things, certain things like, um, what's that show called? Uh, no, OJ. Really like... the, you know sure. that OJ Simpson story? Mm-hmm. The one mm-hmm. with uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Right, right. So we're not talking about the documentary OJ made in America. Nah, yeah, I'm talking about uh, the Netflix show, I think. Yes, yes. Uh, although, I mean, if you do want to watch either the Netflix show or, or the documentary, both are real, real good. Uh, well worth your time. And like uh, somehow really, like really came good. out around the same time as each other. Correct. Um, as well as another really great Ryan Murphy show that I wanted to shout out, mm-hmm. OJ, um, um, American Crime Story. Uh-huh. Uh, season 1 which is about O.J. Simpson as well and his trial of course but I mean that doesn't quite pertain to sports but it's about a sports figure Bigger. I guess yeah yeah um, yeah. Netflix has this other uh, semi-reality I mean semi mm-hmm. what do you call it? what do you call shows based on uh, okay a show which is based on reality I guess um, okay. okay called The English Game which is about the is origins about? of football the origins of football okay mm-hmm. okay which is not too bad but again not really one of the greats, like, I think. Sure, sure, sure. Um, period drama, it's a period or, drama. It's a period drama about the origins of um, the world's most popular sport, yes, uh, football. Correct. Um, soccer for you Americans out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to shout out a little bit uh, Eastbound and Down on HBO. That's a good one. Uh, which I, I find really, really funny. I mean, I really like that. Um, I don't know if you, call, if you consider horse racing a sport, but... Um, David Milch, the creator of Deadwood, has a show called Luck um, about horse racing that I would also recommend you check out. Currently right now, out right now on HBO Max, is a show called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. It's by Adam McKay, mm-hmm. uh, who most recently did Don't Look Up and All. It's about the rise of the Lakers franchise. Oh, there we go. Um, it's not particularly great, but it is a very fun look at a time that we didn't live through. Like. It's, it's nostalgic in, in a way. Be, um, mm. Even though I never lived through that era. But, I mean, obviously the Lakers franchise is the most, the showiest, the most show businessy um, franchise in the NBA and it, it delves into all that. Like. Can I say uh, one more thing though? Sure, Blue Mountain State, right? No, actually. I think we kind of <laughs> forgot about Heels. 
uh heels yes about the world of professional wrestling yeah. if you want to go down that route also um fake sports i would also recommend glow ah glow so yes that's not bad yeah, um, if you want to catch um, reviews of Heels and or Glow Seasons 1, 2, 3, um, go over to our Hard Hits channel on Mixcloud oh, backslash yeah. Hard Hits or go to Spotify, Apple uh, Apple or Google Podcasts. Um, just search for Hard Hits Glow or Hard Hits Heels and we you can find our reviews of those shows there. Mm-hmm. Um, which is primarily why I didn't you know, put this yeah, on this yeah, list. I understand. We, we've already reviewed those shows. Yeah. Um, I'm actually very surprised you didn't mention one show. Which one? Uh, Ballers on HBO. I was going to, but then because you know, like it is not. It's not good. Right? <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's not one of those shows that you remember. <laughs> sure, sure, but I mean, you're you're such a big. I'm a huge um, rock fan. Rock, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, so yep. I watch everything that the rock is in. Uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, do Do you still keep up with Ballers though? Um, is Ballers is still around? Me? Actually, I don't know. Has it been cancelled? I think it's done really. Oh, well, um, sad for The Rock, I guess. No, he goes, oh my god. The last thing you need to do is be sad for a rock that a show is cancelled. I know, I know. He's probably gearing up for a 2024 presidential <laughs> run or some, something like that. Yeah. Uh... Anyways, um, let's begin with our number one topic, sure. which I think it's safe to say, greatest sports drama of all time, Friday Night Lights. Would you yes, agree with that I mean, it is. Um, it is at that level because of of how young we were when we were watching. Yeah, it. Uh, formative age. Formative correct. age, yeah. So yeah, it really hit home because the the the, the most of the cast were around our age, lah. Our playing mm. people our age. Yeah, they they may have been like two or three yeah, or four yeah, yeah. years older, but I mean that was our demographic at the time. Mm, correct, and um, mm-hmm. there was just something about that drama that, uh. I mean, okay, for me, it was, it was unique for me because I have, I'm already an American football fan. So, this kind mm-hmm. of like, it kind of just, I, I was very familiar with the game and all that. So, it wasn't so uh, hard for me to like catch the terms and all that. But then for our people who never watch American football, it didn't matter because the drama was so good. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's kind of what, what I wanted to touch on because um, this show developed by Peter Burke was actually inspired by a 1990 non-fiction book by mm-hmm. H.G. Bissinger, which was... You know, um, also made real life, correct? Which was also made into a 2004 film of the same name. Um, before we delve into the TV show, let's let's touch a bit upon the film. Have you seen the film? Ah, uh, yes, I have. Um, do you think how does the show rank up with the film? The film is obviously quite good, good, but I think the show is a better representation of the of the material. What, what about uh, you? Do you think the, the show is better than the movie? Okay, I I I think the movie can stand on its own. The only thing that I feel that the TV show does a lot better at flesh out characters. Lah. You know, there's so mm. much more time to flesh out relationships, to flesh out uh, all these uh, different um, uh, entanglements dynamics, uh, between uh. the characters, the dynamics and all that. So yeah, that's the the, the, mm-hmm. the the good thing about the TV show, I feel, compared to the movie. Yes. Even though the movie is solid also, with really great acting. The movie acting. is really great. One of the best, I think, uh, football movies out mm. there as well. I agree. Um, Peter Burke is really great, but I think the show does do it better. Um, unlike you, I'm not an American football fan. Exactly. Um, yes, I've played you know Madden on console games and mm-hmm. things like that, but I wouldn't say I'm super familiar with football terms or football rules or football dynamics. Nor am I invested in any football teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a bit um weird for me to get into a show like Friday Night Lights because I never ever you know thought I would I would be into it. You know, a sport that is kind of like infamous, right? For um, concussions, hits, and, the, uh, concussions. I mean, the first course, episode you know. of uh, Friday Night Lights was a guy getting a spinal injury. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, who could have imagined that such a brutal sport could be the cornerstone of one of television's most delicate and affecting dramas? Mm-hmm. It is heartrending and um, infuriating at times, it and is. rife with sh- shattering setbacks and grand triumphs. Friday Night Lights is all of these, and in those ways, it resembles the game around which the tiny town of Dillon, Texas revolves. Mm-hmm. Um, tender and nuanced aren't usually words that are applicable to the great iron, but they fit the bill here. Mm. Um, it is very heartfelt, but not saturated. It is shot beautifully, but also hyper-realistically in a very shaky docudrama or documentary style um, and features a talented cast, uh, among which the teenagers and parents are you know, blessedly clearly defined and the show manages to convince people episode after episode that yes, 
football really is life, um, especially in the world of Dillon, Texas. Um, what got me into the show wasn't the sports aspect, it was the tea drama aspect, which is what's interesting about Friday Night Lights, because I would say it's not just the best sports show of all time, it is one of the best tea dramas of all time. Uh, do you go down that route as well? I mean, okay, compare it to the, the teen dramas around that time, like The O.C. and One Tree Hill. I think those were around oh. during that period. Of time. Yeah, uh, Heads Over Heels way better, Agreed. right? Yes. Mm. I mean, uh, the, 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 from everything from the script you know, to, the, the, to the acting to just the, the overall arcing storylines were so much more intriguing and so much more personable. Like mm. you really felt the the pain of certain some of the players. You really felt the pain of some of you know the um what they are going through. Like setbacks is like one of the things that is constantly happening to to this team. Like this the 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 the, the players in this team. Like yeah, there's so many setbacks throughout all the seasons. Even after you graduate, also still got setbacks. You know. Yeah, they're the perennial underdogs. Yeah, right? exactly. And is yeah, and and how they um push through that is so great, like You know. Uh, yeah. Coach Taylor, I feel, anchors the show really well. Mm. You know, as an out-of-town, not a Texan himself, if I remember correctly. I think he was Californian yeah. or something. Uh, yeah, he was from out-of-town, that's what I remember. Yeah, so yeah. this out-of-town guy coming to Texas and coaching a high school team. And one thing that uh, the show made you realize is how important to small towns in Texas high school football is. Mm-hmm. You know, and this... Uh, it's like this culture, it's like a culture that... Religion. Yeah, exactly. It's number one, yeah. God, number two, football, number three, um, the Cowboys. Guns, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, and yeah, you, you learn about the, this kind of um, slice of American culture, which is uh, embedded in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Like, I do, okay, I'm not middle of nowhere, Texas, like, but somewhere in Texas, like. It, it is a rather rural, remote town in Texas. It's a small town. And I, I, I like that you pointed that out because, yeah, it's it's a bit anthropological as well because mm. it's such a foreign concept to especially foreign us. viewers such as yeah. us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so far from the glitz and glamour of the NFL. You know, this is like... And yet the town worships this team to that extent, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. of, because, yeah, like, it's the number one entertainment there, like, you know. And also a way of, of galvanizing a town's... Um, loyalty a town's uh, spirit you know yes a team that is winning la. yeah yeah obviously yeah, it goes losing. a bit crazy when you know the the the, the i mean in later seasons uh, of course the, the rise of um east the, the west the west school right west and east yeah. Then, yeah 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 um i think you know one of the things people remember most about the show is obviously it's catchphrase, right? Yeah. Your eyes, full hearts, can't lose. It's something even uh, Barack Obama quotes in his speeches mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and since the pilot has become really, really memorable and, you know, there are many reasons to recommend FNL, but having a great catchphrase that kind of never outstays its welcome yeah, is really remarkable. It doesn't. I mean, how many other TV shows have managed that? And what, mar- what marks the catchphrase as truly fantastic is that Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, Can't Lose reflects so many other elements that make this show worth recommending, more, mm. more than just the football. For instance, consider the series' tone, right, which is kind of unique in TV, especially at the time. Yeah. Um, most small-town series offer up kind of quirky, fictional wonderlands that you might want to yeah. move yourself. Yeah, Gilmore Girls. Like uh, Shit's Creek and things like yeah. that, you know. Um, and Shit's most Creek, other really drum- don't, do you really want to move to Shit's Creek? I mean, not really, like, actually, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, may- maybe to get to know some of the people <laughs> because they're funny. Um, because they're funny, and-, and most teen dramas are kind of either about like you know the sexy complications mm. of you know hot teens versus unpopular teens. You know, think about Gossip Girl or even earlier on Nine O Two One O. Yeah, yeah, and then they're like the weirdos and wannabes watching these hotties. You know, like Freaks and Geeks and Veronica Mars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when it comes to TV, um, teen dramas before FNL, TV hadn't really done many sports teen dramas or dr- teen dramas to this extent mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I think FNL, what it accomplishes totally is hugely impressive because this, Dylan, Texas feels like a real place. It does. Like it, it doesn't feel like a TV town. It feels like a real town complete with all the stresses that would exist in a small backwoods Texas town. But it never goes so far into its realism that it becomes despairing. I think its teenagers do have sometimes sexy complications mm-hmm. and sometimes complain about the hotter teens around them and things like that. But they never feel defined by their confidence or awkwardness. They're just people 
fumbling through life and occasionally doing the right things. And the series depictions of high school football is, I feel, also deeply influential on a host of other TV dramas that followed. You don't have to know a thing about football to enjoy the show. Um, and honestly, you if you do know a lot about football, you might roll your eyes at how many games are won on last second place. Um, <laughs> But you do have to know that about a town where everybody cares about one tiny thing as though their lives depend on it, yeah. as you mentioned. Dylan Texas loves high school football almost as much as it loves God or America or guns. And whether you love the team or simply don't care about it, it ends up being almost um, a, a, a nice slice of life mm. um, depiction of, of, of um, a tiny corner of America, you know. Um, well, what were the things that... Um, what were your favourite elements oh. of Friday Night Lights in terms of, you know, uh, you already mentioned coach, uh, the coach played by Kyle Chandler, uh, remarkably. Awesome. But why are there some of the other elements or story arcs that you truly loved about the show that defined it? I mean, I honestly, okay, even though like the first few characters were interesting, like uh, that, what's his name? The drunk guy, the drunk teenager. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know who you mean. The, the guy who eventually played uh, Gambit in X-Men. That Origins, guy, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his story was quite interesting as it progressed, but my favorite was the introduction of Michael B. Jordan's character, Vince Howard. Yeah, um, season three or four, right? He came three. in quite late yeah. into the show. Yeah, three. yeah, yeah. Um, he this was, I think, his second big role ever after The Wire. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, it's a few years removed of two years removed after The Wire, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he came out, I was like, "Damn, I remember you from The Wire." <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. It's amazing that we watched Michael B. Jordan when he was so young, <laughs> so, you know, yeah. before he became like this mega star in Hollywood, right. you know. You know, and um, yeah, and he was so good in that role. Like he, you know, he was that. Uh, I, I, I want to say, um, what's that word? Um, quintessential, um, black kid that comes from like you know like the projects or whatever, like you know, uh, mm-hmm. all this in 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 trouble with the law, you know, has a mom who's a drug addict, um, mm. you know, who's abandoned basically and only football and the coach is his um, refuge. La, you know, yes. where the coach even like help him hide a gun if I remember correctly. Correct, yeah. You know, that kind of thing like where, where you know, uh, the coach gains his ultimate trust and all that stuff, you know, and then you build this relationship between uh, the two of them. La. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. and yeah, so Vin, the, his introduction I thought was one of the cool stories, lah. I mean, yes, I liked also like the rest of the characters, like kind of slowly. Uh, I mean, those who started in season one, you know, eventually graduated and went on moved their, on their lives, and their drama was also quite interesting, also, lah. Uh, yeah, you your know? Matt Saracen, Tim Riggins, Tim Riggins is Tim the, that's the guy. Yes, yep, yep. uh, Matt yep. Saracen's story was cool. Landry's story was cool. You know, Landry, this loser that suddenly became a kicker for the team. You know that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, Jesse Plemons' first big breakout exactly, role, actually. Before, now, um, now that he's become such a great character actor yes. in Breaking Bad and so many other things. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah fantastic. So many things to love so about many. the show. But, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I wanted to point out, sure. because I kind of framed this as a sports show and a teen show, yeah. um, but it's also one of the best TV portrayals of the ins and outs of a long and successful marriage. Mm. Uh, one of the things that gets overlooked in the show because of the sports element and the teens element is... Eric and Tammy Taylor, you know, Kyle Chandler and Connie Britton, yeah. who are so pitch perfect as two people who love each other dearly and sometimes best express that by bickering affectionately with one another. I think the secret sauce that makes FNL work is that it's sneakily a family drama where the Taylors are a mother and father to a whole host of teens beyond their daughter. Mm. Um, you know, All the people that cross lives with them. I mean, I think not many teen shows pay this much attention to the adults, right? To the parents yeah, yeah, in the yeah. show. You know, but Coach Taylor and Tammy Taylor feel as well defined as any of the kids or, or, or as any of the sports elements. Um, this kind of bleeds into a topic that we're going to talk about later. Lah, but I think Coach Taylor was the original Ted Lasso. Oh. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. The feel-good inspiring coach. Lah, yeah, that, yeah, you know, yeah. like, like inspires you despite, you know, your troubles in life. Sure, and have sure. a good outlook. But, but he's not as naive as Ted Lasso. Yeah. He's a more grounded approach to that. Sure, yeah, yeah agreed. I mean, um, okay, so we've talked about some of the good things about Friday Night Lights. And if you haven't seen Friday Night Lights, it's available on Netflix. Go watch all 76 episodes. We'll watch the movie too. I mean, all of it is really good. But, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend that it's a perfect show. You know? uh... um, 
uh, one of the things that uh, that probably drags the show down as hair, it's probably is disastrous second season, whereby um, <sighs> there's so many terrible storylines that happen, which we which will quickly fix. Uh, to but, be fair, that was the writer's strike season, right? Sure, yeah. But at the same time, you know, even before <laughs> the writer's strike and everything, they've or- they already decided to make Landry a murderer somehow in the season 2 premiere. Yeah, they did. Uh, Landry killed a guy and then <sighs> after the writer's strike was over, they just decided to forget about it. It's like, eh, they, it never happened. They just like let him go. Like, uh, like there was no murder charge in the end. No murder charge. They, they never followed up on the story. They just pretended it that it happen. never happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for all of you, up to the end, I was like, God, are they ever going to bring this back? Like, Landry killed a dude. <laughs> <laughs> Landry killed the dude for uh, Tyra, right? Uh, that um, What's her name? The... For Tyra, yeah. 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 His, his on, on and off again love interest uh, or triangle with Tim Riggins. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that, was, that was wild, man. But it was one of those... It was probably the defining aspect of what didn't work in Friday Night Lights. Uh, sometimes, especially in season two, they went for storylines. They just felt very trashy, very CWE. You know what I mean? It is, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was, that season felt like it was going to fall into the, the OC, you know, that, yeah. that, that kind of like a weird uh, TV, sh- teen TV show, la, where the drama yeah, that, must be like heightened to, to crazy heights, you know. To life and death, murder, yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like that. And it was bizarre. And I think this is a good part of Friday Night Lights. The, the reason it felt so jarring was that it felt out of place in the show. Because if that happened on Riverdale, for example, that would be like the least interesting thing in Riverdale. They're like, yeah, sure. It happened. The guy. Yeah, okay. makes sense. It happened, you know. There have been demon possessions and stuff like that. I mean, whatever lah, you know. Mm. It's just a murder. Yeah. But in Friday Night Lights, it felt astonishingly bad. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also think like the series finale is one of the best in TV history. And, and oh, one wow. of the few where where I don't mind an ending that leaves no room for ambiguity. I think um, Kyle Chandler and Jason Kattams, who ran the show, kind of won Emmys for their work on that final season. Yeah. Um, and those awards were really, really deserved. Although I, I do feel like they should have won it back all the way back in season one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the other things about Friday Night Lights that you think makes it so special, you know, like the intangibles of it? I mean, what's special is just the fact that you fall in love with all the characters. Like yeah. you just want these guys to you know win it all in the end, so I mean mm-hmm. they constantly chased after the title ma, in the the yep. first I mean all the seasons are basically lah, mm-hmm. until the final you know when uh the whole like uh okay to be fair I, I watched the show so long ago but um sure if I remember correctly it was like the uh, both teams like joined together into a super team like that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right, yep and then I think they won state lah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that I I did quite enjoy the rivalry between West and East Dillon, lah. The the toilet bowl, as they called it, you know, mm-hmm. like the the winner between the two. Um, and I also think it's kind of fitting that a show focusing on a small community's obsession with a team, mm-hmm. you know, in which everyone lives and breathes, uh, on the support of said community has a has a small but fiercely loyal fan base itself outside the show, who who benefited from the content of the show yeah. and in turn spoke out for it and helped it survive in terms of adversity. Yeah, because, uh, a lot uh, of people, one of the things about uh, Friday Night Lights is that its ratings were really horrible. It was really, really hor- horrible. Um, <laughs> it was cancelled once yeah. uh, after season two. And then because of fan support and fan outpour, you know, all those petitions yeah. and all that, it brought the show back. Pre-Twitter. Um, pre- uh, uh, Twitter was already there, but Twitter wasn't the force that it yeah. was. It, it, it is today, you know. Um, so yeah, that, that's one of the intangibles of the show that I really wanted to point out. The fan base outside of it, very small, very dedicated, very loyal. Mm-hmm. Um, I have sadly been a lot of been in a lot of these like you know back in the day on the message board supporting very unpopular shows, trying to bring them back to life. You know, mm-hmm. I was you know one of those Veronica Mars people. I was one of those Firefly people. And amazingly, like all three shows that <laughs> I you know signed for, the, we, we it it worked. We brought them back. It happened, man. To an extent, la, I mean, like for Firefly, it would be Serenity that came out, right? Yeah, uh, Veronica Mars got two, uh, got two other seasons mm-hmm. that came out of it, and Friday Night Lights got three other seasons. Mm-hmm. And the best, the best of all the three were Friday Night Lights because the three seasons that came well, back awesome. after season two were the best. I think the best three seasons yeah, of Friday Night Lights. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fantastic. Even whether you love uh American football or you hate American football, you don't care about. It's American not about football. that. Yeah. It's not about that. It's a TV show that has a strong focus on the working class mm-hmm. and a strong focus on being inspirational without being aspirational. Mm. Um, and it shows the benefits of team sports. And it's hard not to want to experience the highs as they're depicted in 
excellently staged football scenes and it's always balanced out with the pressures piled on the young athletes in different facets of their life. Like not always murder, you know, sometimes it's cool, sometimes it's great, sometimes mm-hmm, it's girls, mm-hmm. etc. Um, and I've never been a fan of American football. Um, but how would you grade how realistic its games are? Okay, this is interesting actually. Okay. Um, one thing that Hollywood has an issue with, right, is yep. for some reason, they cannot find people to throw the football really well. Well, it's a skill, though. Yeah, yeah, no, but like, yeah. you for some just the mechanics of it is enough, you see. But even mm. the mechanics are sometimes wrong, and sometimes it just looks so weird. Friday Night Light kind of um dodged that by, uh, I mean they, the the players aren't too bad. Like they make the least mistakes in the throwing motion than most other shows. Yeah, like in terms of like football realism, lah. Um, Interesting. Okay. The play calling itself is actually quite. It makes sense. It's very basic high school play calling. Uh, a lot of running of the ball. Uh, not as much throwing. Even though the throwing is, uh, you know, they they try to throw as, uh, I mean, it throws a lot lesser than in in the professional NFL, la, You know. Yeah. But it's the throws that obviously will wow you, la. And when the throws happen, um, you know, they they go for really long, like sixty three yarder, like in the first episode, you know. Yeah, that, that's uh like a hail mary, uh, what they call a hail mary troller. Yes. Yeah, where you don't know where the ball's going to end up, but you hope it ends up somewhere where it's going to t- get a touchdown. You know, that mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of realistic, also. So, all in all, I would say like the realism of uh Friday Night Lights is like a seven out of ten, in terms of the right, sports, okay. uh, the football element, la. I feel like seven out of ten is quite high for Hollywood sports realism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that they are doing it. They they, they do yeah, better yeah, yeah. than most. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And I will, we'll kind of talk about this when we get to boxing movies also. Oh like, my the realism God. of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, like Creed made, uh, Michael B. Jordan again made the worst decision of his life to hire Rocky as a coach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, because like we're, we're kind of, we're, 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 I, I'm, I'm particularly immersed in combat sports yeah, and combat, so I know what, what is realism for that. Like. Yeah, especially boxing for me, right? We, we, we both are huge right. boxing fans. Yeah, especially for that. La, yeah, la. But uh, the, the thing is, I didn't know anything about American football, so I had no detailed knowledge. La, mm. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, is by no means essential. Nah, for being, I it's mean, not. I've, I, I think you're, the show will kind of walk you through the different kinds of offensive and defensive yeah. schemes. Yeah. But I think not knowing the difference between a fourth down or a touchdown won't really hurt your enjoyment. Yeah. Um, and as with the film and the series, the football scenes, as you mentioned, are some of the best committed to film mm. um, in Hollywood, especially. Mm. And it's incredibly immersive. They showcase the beauty and brutality of the sport while making the stakes feel incredibly real because a mm. lot of these kids are so invested in it and the town is so invested in yeah. it. Um, in, their particularly, in their particular little bubble universe, this matters a lot. So that matters a lot as well. I agree. Um, add to that the thematic elements, you know, disability, teen pregnancy, mm-hmm. relationships. The usual teen drama the, stuff also. Yeah, the dysfunctional families and the occupational pressures, the small town politics, school funding difficulties. I really like that aspect into the booster culture, you know, people who yeah. fund the teams and all of that. The use of PEDs is in there as well. And it, it creates a nice mix for the cast of characters and a goldmine for drama. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate a lot of that, but as I've touched on earlier, I think what makes the show really, really special is the people and the characters feel so richly defined. Mm-hmm. And for a sports show, I think you can't get any higher than Friday Night Lights. Any final thoughts before before we move on to our next topic? Friday Night Lights, man, it goes down as one of the best TV um, sports TV shows ever. Man, I, I'll, I'll go as far as to say as best TV shows of any genre ever. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, it will rank up there. Like, I wouldn't say it's like a top 10 all-timer or anything. It's huh? not like The Wire exactly. or Breaking Bad. I was going to say The Wire, you know? The Breaking Bad, and the uh, what? Better Call Saul and all that. You know, but like for a top, I, top, top 100, 20, top, 100, top 50 or overall all-time, I mean, that's quite high la, for all-time. Yeah, time, yeah, yeah. I know? mean, there's so many Considering all genres. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would go as far as to say that it's one of the better ones out of there. Uh, one of the best. Um, because of a season two, I probably wouldn't, you know, rank it as high as the other perfect shows, you know, like yeah. your. But it finished strong. But it finished really, really strong, and four of the five seasons were outstanding. Yeah, let's just four say of the that. Five, yeah, I wouldn't blame you if like you chose to skip season two. I wouldn't mind it. You, you can know? actually um, skip season two. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, or if you don't, you know, when you watch Landry kill someone, like just just think to yourself, like it's okay. They, 
It's a fever dream. They they won't bring it back up. <laughs> it's almost like an OVA la, in anime. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to uh, from one inspiring coach to another. Um, a show called Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus. When Aww. we first got into Ted Lasso, um, back in the early pandemic era, right? Yeah. Um, it was a very underrated, underseen TV show on Apple TV Plus, which mm-hmm. was a fledgling network or fledgling streaming service at the time. Mm-hmm. Since then. Ted Lasso has blown up to be one of the biggest shows on streaming TV, period. Mm-hmm. You know, Ted Lasso is one of the most talked about shows on the level of a... What's a talked about show in modern times? Euphoria, mm-hmm. um, Attack on Titan. It's like on that level of... It is course. on that level. Yeah. Um, which is bizarre. I would have never have, have assumed um, the sitcom based on a commercial... By NBC from By NBC Sports about an American football coach going over to England to coach a soccer team would get over this much um, uh-huh. in the mainstream public eye. Um, especially because, you know, it's tone it's very intentionally cheesy and corny and feel good. It is the type of sitcom that w- will feel at home back in the 70s or 80s, you know, um, or 90s even. Because, you know, these days sitcoms um, are kind of a blend of pathos and, and depression alongside the humor and all that. Yeah. There's more yeah. drama these days than sitcoms. But this is a this is a straight throwback sitcom to back in the day, you know. Mm-hmm. Um watching Ted Lasso from the beginning until now and seeing it rise in popularity, what do you think captured the imaginations of people? Why why was it such a big show? Simply put, is the innocence of it all. Yeah. The niceness yep, yep, yep. of it. The the way that the show really I mean on the surface level, you know, where there's this just inherent niceness about everything that's going on in this football mm. club yep. at the end of the day. There may be nastiness around it and all that stuff, you know, like nastiness around the world and all that. But then mm. there was this source of comfort that Ted Lewis, Lasso, the character, provided to his players and all that. You know, even mm. when the player's a piece of shit, you know. Like, he, he provided that, 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 that sincerity of wanting to to help this player become a better player. Not maybe mm-hmm. through the athletic pursuit of soccer, uh, football, right? Yeah. But <laughs> more like uh, in the character building, in the the morality building kind of uh, way. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. That, that sort of like went... I mean, it was just so weird because, you know, he has that southern accent... You know he's mm-hmm. in England. He does. He's in. He's that 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 fish out of water kind of thing going on. Yep. But his sincerity to do his best and to be nice about it throughout, right? Mm-hmm. Just um resonated with a lot of people, lah. I think episode three kind of like sums it up. You know when he was with that journalist, and then the journalist was trying to like figure him out, and then the journalist in the end realized that oh my god, he's just nice. Mm-hmm. He's just a nice guy who is doing his best. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel that is something that resonates with a lot of people because a lot of people are just dead where they're just nice people doing their best. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I particularly feel that when Ted Lasso came out in 2020, right? Um, the world was... I mean, the world has always been a shitty place. Like, but in particular, that year was a shitty year. I mean, we were in the midst of the beginnings of a pandemic, right? Do you remember? Yeah. Um, we were in the midst of a really heated um, American election between Trump and Biden. I think the world felt as divided mm. and people felt as nasty as the world has ever felt. Yeah. I think the world just felt like a cesspool of hatred. And yeah, the, left the or right or, you know, whatever uh, political uh, spectrum or ideological spectrum you're on, it just felt nasty. I mean, um, vaxxers, anti-vaxxers, and stuff like that. Like, everyone just, nobody could agree on, on anything. Anything, yeah. Except that they all love Ted Lasso <laughs> as a person. <laughs> Ted Lasso brought us together. <laughs> Ted, Ted Lasso, the, the human Paddington, yeah. uh, brought, brought us together. And, you know, for, for a show kind of based on a one-joke premise from an NBC commercial seven was, years ago. No way ago, this show was supposed to work. You know, this is a show about a soccer neophyte hired to coach um, AFC Richmond in the UK. Mm. It had no right to be this amusing or thoughtful. Um, and, you know, it, in the end, it was a sports sitcom that's not really sports at all. It's about a person trying to yeah. do their best, you know. 
Um, like that lasso arrived in London armed with you know this, as you mentioned, this folksy twang, mm-hmm. and he is very self-aware. He understands that everyone thinks he is completely unqualified to coach Richmond, mm-hmm. and he's right. I mean, his first pe- press conference, he said, uh, "You could fill two internets with what I don't know about football." <laughs> he tells the incredulous British press, right? Mm-hmm. But I think for Lasso, coaching isn't about understanding nah. the offside rule, which he still doesn't understand doesn't going into it. season three, <laughs> or or being able to name other Premier League f- footballers he can't, or even um, not understanding that Sheffield Wednesday is not the day. Um, <laughs> but but he's kind of like he wants to be or help his players be the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Not just on the field, but off the field. Yeah, which he cares about them as people. So weird for on a professional football level. You know what I mean? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. This is like yeah. if you are a high school coach, like like Coach Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. It makes sense, you right? Because the boys are young and all that. Football should be also there to teach you how to be better men outside the field. Yeah, that's the more important point of team sports is not just about winning like, <laughs> yeah. which is which is of course important also and uh, one of my favorite scenes in that lesson was his right hand man um, Coach Beard. Uh, Beard Coach Beard like uh, dressing him down at the season 1 finale saying that you think winning is important but this is a professional team yeah. their, their livelihoods you know the food on the table depends on winning you know how can you take that lightly exactly. and I, I love I love that like, kind of reality check that sometimes hits that lesson because he's naivety like he's just so naive about it not naive but rather he's so adamant that his way you know, like that's the right way. Yeah, and the winning doesn't matter. You know, is what happens. You know how we grow as people. But then you realize that you need to win, or you're gonna fuck up. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Which 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 ends with them being relegated and yeah. I think at the end of season one. So I like the tonal balance of it. Like it isn't a one way show. It's like oh, you know, Tetris was always right. Optimism, the power of friendship, the power of niceness will win games. It it doesn't. You know, sometimes you could lose your job, yeah. and sometimes you could get relegated from the league, and people lose money and lose sponsors and. Stuff like that, like it's you, you, it finds a balance in that. It know? does. Yeah. Um, and and I think like a lot like Friday Night Lights. I think the football matches in that lesson are used primarily to enhance the interpersonal dynamics of the characters off the field. You know. Yeah. Um, Richmond is a team in this area, and its most famous players like the cocky pretty boy Jamie Tart or the aging angry um. Troy Kent. Troy Kent. Troy Kent. Ro- yeah, Roy Kent, who is obviously like you know, Roy Keen. um, a Roy Keane slash, um, all the other like no nonsense central midfielders that you see in yeah. every team, like, You know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I I like their dynamic going from opening loving, openly loving each other to liking each other, mm-hmm. you know, and then you know, respecting each other, fa- respecting each other, mm-hmm. And then you know, Coach Lasso is kind of faced with these two different facets of masculinity. Um, you know, and he's he's great. He's he's such a different coach. He loves Broadway musicals. Refers to God as a she. You know, um, and he uh, he puts a suggestion box in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has an insecure soccer. Um, uh, he's not a coach at first. Of all. Was he a ball boy? Yeah, he was a Nate. pitch. Uh, he was a kid boy, kid man, kid boy, kid, kid man, kid man, kid man. Nate, yeah. You know. Yeah. Played by Nick Muhammad, who is you know kind of stealthily hilarious, also. You know? yeah, but like, um, like Kidman had like a football genius mind, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. He knows the sport, you know, in in the way that Ted Lasso doesn't strategically, tactically, and technically. Mm-hmm. Ted Lasso, uh, Coach Lasso is more of um inspiration. He's more of a you know, just just do it lah. Really, you know. Uh, but I think what I really like and the difference between the commercial and the show was that in trying to flesh out the commercial into a show. Uh, Jason Sudeikis and Bill Lawrence made a few very smart decisions. I think they went really easy on a fish out of water concept that was in the commercial. Yeah, they didn't push so hard uh, on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's they some, some jokes. jokes, but the jokes were very peppered around instead of being the central reason yeah. of his funniness, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. So it didn't go into that kind of cliche that I expected it to be. Yeah, also, you know? exactly. And and in the commercial, Ted Lasso was less self-aware. He was more of a <laughs> David Brent. He was more of a David Brent, right? From yeah, the office, you know? yeah. So they totally flipped up his character to make him more likable, make him nicer and everything. And I think they made all the right decisions to to make the show successful. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into its very controversial second season. Why do you think season two was such a hot rod for controversy? You tell me first. I also want to know this. I think season two leaned away from the niceness of that lasso and dealt with the implications of bottling up um, or repressing negative emotions. Yeah, but I thought that, that was lasso, a brilliant move by them. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, I, I'm just saying that. Uh, like, like, 
in in trying to do that, they tapped into the darkness of that lesson and the darkness of other characters like Neat, for example, mm. especially. Um, to show you that yeah, there is a flip side to the coin. There is the other side of the coin of being so relentlessly optimistic and at the toxic time. niceness. Toxic niceness. Yeah. It deals with the psychology of that. Um, yeah. and I think a lot of shows, a lot of lesser shows, wouldn't have delved into that. I think. Yeah. And in trying to do that, it made the show darker and less comfortable and not comfort food anymore, which is why it became so controversial and yeah. people didn't like it as much. On the on the other hand, though, I think me and you share the same opinion that season two was a lot um, better than season one. It's a lot better in season one because it addressed the hard truths yeah. of that that lesson's uh, toxic niceness. It evolved as, the show as... to what it should be, la, About realism, la, About about you can't be all this nice, you know. You you there's a limit to to how nice you can be mm-hmm, without mm-hmm. repercussions, are You because you're being taken advantage of left, right, and center. That's something that that lesson faced, yep. you know, from his players and all that, you know, by you know them being rude to him and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, but also because he was bottling up something really pertinent la, his divorce la, not addressing it la. yeah you know? he was just trying to be like this happy go lucky guy all the time and it sent him into a tailspin and yeah. into panic attacks and things like that yeah. and and I also really like how season 2 dealt with the mental health of athletes um, yeah. in, in, in a very fortuitous bit of timing right? that episode about Ted Lasso having an anxiety attack and him being criticised for going off the was field was Naomi or Stuka, uh, right? Nomi Osoka and Simon Biles. It happened in, Olympics, in that time yeah. period, right? Yeah, so it was... Uh, I mean, obviously, Ted Lasso couldn't have foreseen that happening. Like, this was filmed like a, a year, year before. before, you know. Yeah. But but they knew that something like that could happen in the world of sports. The high-pressure situations and fans and critics and media are not forgiving of of athletes as though they're not people, you know, as yeah. though they don't have the same fragilities that we all do. We think of them as superhuman, but they're not. I mean, they're superhuman uh, physically. You sure, know, but yeah. that doesn't mean that emotionally they are also as rock solid, you know, mm-hmm, or they're mm-hmm. not going through their own demons and all that. And how many athletes have we seen over the years? Like not only, I mean, all sports throughout American football, football itself, uh, uh, what, um, tennis. You know, you have how many, how many people in? I mean, watch King Richard, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the one that Will Smith undeservedly won an Oscar for, but sure. <laughs> I mean, but there was this the whole point about like this tennis parents and all that, and you saw like the breakdown of mm. these little girls playing tennis, you know, where they're like throwing their their rackets around, being angry at nothing, you know, at a nothing mm. game, you know, and that was something that um the 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 person uh, Richard uh, Williams kind of foresaw and didn't want his daughters to go through. Definitely, you know, you know um, and how many athletes you see today? After their careers have ended, have devolved into alcoholism or substance a abuse, lot. or or sometimes suicide. You know, it happens. It, it's shockingly common, which is why it is. I like that that lesso addressed this, like, because it's Agreed. an important part exactly. of, of the show. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um. Yep. And that was our review for that lesso. Oh, one of the really, best. Really, really like the show, and I can't wait for uh, season three to come. It is one of Apple TV's standout stars. Mm-hmm. Um. Um, Apple TV has a lot of better shows. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, Severance is great on Apple TV. Uh, Pachinko is really good. For all mankind, is really great. But Tetlasso is by far their like biggest hit. Mm-hmm. For good reason. It, for good reason, it absolutely deserves that. Next up, going from a very big hit, um, in the streaming world to a show that till today, despite its critical <laughs> acclaim, remains, I think, very underseen, very underwatched, very underappreciated. Yeah. Um, Nobody gives a shit about this show. Nobody has seen the show. If there's any show less important, uh, or if there's any sport less important to the rest of the world, I'm not talking about America. <laughs> if there's any sport less important to the rest of the world than American football, uh-huh. it is baseball. And that's what Brock Meyer is about. We will be talking about IFC's show, Brock Meyer. Uh, Brock Meyer follows uh, Hank Azaria, who mm-hmm. plays Jim Brock Meyer, who is a famous Major League Baseball announcer who suffers an embarrassing public meltdown on the air after he after discovering his wife cheated on him um you know infidelity mm-hmm. um a decade later after his embarrassment after his shame he comes back he tries he tries to reclaim his career mm-hmm. and love and 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 love life in a small town mm-hmm. um calling minor league ball mm-hmm. for Morristown Pennsylvania mm-hmm. um a, a team hilariously called the Frackers I love it um and then it, it follows his his journey from uh from you know, down in the depths, being an alcoholic, um, up to becoming you know a more well-rounded person. Just just remember um, the entire premise that Hidzi has just said. Okay, this is yep. the premise of season one. It's about yeah, a run down, 
this guy who is coming back, you know, trying to rebuild his career, trying to rebuild his life in a small yep. town, you know, the very usual American um, TV story, like, you know? Yep. <sighs> but it, it's told in a, in a way that is very different from Ted Lasso. It's very different. Friday, yeah, 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 yeah. Or Friday Night Lights. I think it is one of the most acidic, scathing mm-hmm. black comedies out there in terms of its writing and wit. Hell yeah. Um, very few shows have the kind of acerbic quality that Brock Meyer has. Yeah. And a lot like that less so weirdly enough. Uh, Brock Meyer is actually based on an online sketch comedy. Um just a, an online sketch on from Funny or Die. Yeah. Uh and it was a character developed by Hank Azira and then they decided to turn it turn it into a show. Yep. And just like that lasso, like there's no reason this one joke comedy sketch should have been this good nope. over four seasons. Nope. Um evolving into a fourth season that jumps far ahead in the future into a technological dystopia. <laughs> um so it starts from like this realistic almost character study of an alcoholic baseball announcer trying to get his life together uh-huh. into this weird uh, look at what America will and can be in the future. Um, like, and really realistic. Like really post-apocalyptic America, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> what? Like, America is now like this, by the time it goes to season four, like, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. what the fuck just happened? Like, America is in this disaster, right? Where, like, half of it is in dispute. It's called the disputed yep. lands, you know. Uh, yeah, Arizona yeah. is on fire. The Amazon is gone. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was such an insane thing. And then there was this great AI called Lemon Lyman Lemon yep. Lemon Lemon, yeah. where it's, it it is trying to save America, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's also that terrifying Skynet kind of AI. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, it, how does that what? show go into season four? You know, it's exactly. it's a wild trajectory for a show. You know, yeah. um, and before we delve into the tra- trajectory, I just have mm. to say that I think Hank Azaria as a live action actor mm. is a bit underrated because he's yes. best known for his vo- voice work, right? Yes. He's done yes. over three hundred Simpsons characters in his repertoire. Yes, you know? I agree. Um, so many he has done, you know, Mo and Chief Wiggum, um, and, and, and people like. Apu, Until he was retired, yeah, he retired it himself. He's the one yeah. who called Apu out, you know. But um, interestingly, like a lot of Indian comics were so okay, never mind. That's another another episode, another uh, discussion that day. Yeah, yeah. This isn't the, the Apu show. Yeah. It's it's Hang Zara's Apu show brought my yeah. um and it's a wonderful IFC comedy. I mean, in fact, I think of all the comedies that we are addressing today, including Sports Night, this is the fight pure pound for pound, line for line, finest yes, comedy. Hundred percent. Um, not just in terms of sports comedies, but in terms of comedies in general. Yeah. And Azera finally gets to blend his two his two skills, you know, live action acting and voice acting, and gets to blend the two halves of his career like never before. So Azera builds this character of a disgraced former baseball play-by-play guy mm-hmm. whose career falls apart, you know, and then you know, he describes on this telecast in very frank terms, mm-hmm. the sack tech, uh, he caught his wife performing for another man, mm-hmm. you know, um, and half of what's remarkable about the show is simply hearing Azaria discuss extreme things, yeah. like sex and booze and drug <laughs> abuse with with kind of the same, like, uh, a subic, uh, very, like, old-school old-timey announcer accent yeah. uh, that, that Brock Meyer would use to remind his listeners about, like, say, the in-fly, infield fly rule or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Brock Meyer is so great with his voice and he's so great with his facial acting, but the other half of what makes Brock Meyer equally special and raunchy and depraved, uh, but it's also because he's tender and even surprisingly romantic, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, uh, imagine if the if catastrophe took place in a minor league ballpark. That's what seasons one to two kind of feels like mm-hmm. um, that's how Azaria and the show's creator uh, Joe Church Cooper are able to find the vulnerable human being underneath the accent underneath the acerbic tongue and his familiar plate blazer um, even as Brockmire never quite breaks character or stops talking like he's doing play by play even in regular life mm-hmm. you know um, I think you went following Brockmire like when he was still airing right you uh, I watched it in 2000, uh, during the pandemic so just after it finished Awesome, awesome. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on Brock Meyer? I sort of been like waxing lyrical for for a while because I love Brock. No, no, I know, I know. I mean, I watched it yeah. because of you. You were the one that actually yeah. watched Brock Meyer like over the, the 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 past few years. So then, when twenty twenty came about, and really we were we had nothing much to do in our lives, right? Yep, we caught up on Brock Meyer. Exactly. Um. So so, what do you think about Brock Meyer from season one to four? Okay, so uh, season one is that usual guy trying to redeem himself. You know, trying to get back his. I guess his um 
he's Mojo lah, right? Yep. And it was brilliantly done. Like you, you felt, <laughs> you just felt his um, uh, his wit whenever he he con, like because the situations are presented to him in a way that there's no choice but he's going to say something witty about yeah. it, you know, and he does yeah. it so well all the time, you know, and the absurdity mm-hmm. of 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 like baseball owners, the absurdity of. Uh, the new media, you know, that kind of thing. He had everything to... He had a comment about everything. Mm, you know, and he does right. a play-by-play because, you know, he is a... a play-by-play man. Yeah, he's an yeah. announcer. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that happens all the time, you know. Uh, and then you have characters who riff very well off him. Like Charles is one of my favorite characters. Yeah. To, to, for for, for, for uh, Brock Meyer to kind of spar with because mm-hmm. they're very different from one another. I think Amanda Peet as his love interest Jules Another is also one. a very interesting Yes, character. I was just yeah. going to say it. Amanda Peet as his uh, love interest and I mean all throughout the entire four seasons brilliantly done also. Um, J.K. Simmons has a nice little role in, in, in there as well. Yes, he as does. A, as, a, as, as a really good foil to Brock Meyer. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. So one thing about Brock Meyer is his ability to to just riff with uh, his co-stars la, which I really enjoy. Yeah. And really well done. Um, yeah. One of the other things about, I mean, and then as slowly he gets back to the big time, right? Like in season one, I think it was him getting to, by the end, he was going to Major Leagues back again, right? remember correctly. Correct, yeah. Yeah. And then slowly again, the ridiculousness of of uh, baseball, you know? Like this show yeah. is not really, I mean, it is a homage to baseball. Yeah. But also at the ridiculousness of why this sport is still around. It's a celebration and a criticism. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, of, 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 yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the character loves baseball. Like, Brock yeah. Meyer, the character loves baseball, but he he realizes how ridiculous everything is around baseball. Um, Baseball, just like Brock Meyer, is sort of like this uh, representation of, of, an, of an archaic, obsolete American institution that, that is failing but still surviving. Yeah. Uh like most American institutions. Yeah, it's barely hanging on, you know. Yeah, it's a nice commentary on that. Uh, that's I think the smartest thing about Brock Meyer. Yeah, I agree. And that's something yeah. that uh, goes on throughout until season 4 when, you know, techno uh this techno totalitarian uh society is about to be born, right? And mm-hmm. they want to use baseball as, you know, a way to produce more nationalism, you know. Yep. That kind of thing. So like, it, what the fuck? Like, you know, when it's from season one to season four, the, the shift mm-hmm. was so awesome. And when the final, the, the final season is my favorite because of it, like, because of such a weird shift. Yet, yeah. at the heart of it, it still remains the same. Brock Meyer still remains that guy. Yeah. That kind of like, yep, this is all fucked up as usual. Yeah. You know, nothing new yeah. here. Yes, it might be an AI that is buying over baseball, but Really? It's not that crazy. I mean, all, all the previous owners felt that robots anyway. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he hates the owners so much. Yeah. I, I, I think as do more, most people who running sports teams do, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, interference from the owners, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I think to the end, despite all the wild plot machinations that happen, I think it still retains genuine humor in its lines and the subic delivery of Hangar's area. Plus a genuine level of pathos mm. because he continually tries to rehabilitate himself. He's yeah. never, but Maya is never fixed. Like he's never like, oh, one season I have an epiphany and now I'm a correct person and now I'm like a well-rounded person. He's he's never yeah. quite reaches there because none of us ever quite reach there. We're always yeah. working on ourselves and Brock Maya has is working on himself right to the end. Yeah, I mean, even when he has a daughter, even though his relationship with Jules doesn't work out and things like that. Yeah, it's a it's a ter- it's a terrific show from beginning to end, and I highly recommend you. Go download uh Brock Meyer today because it's it's legit. It's My legit. favorite of the of the four shows, yeah. Legit. Yeah, I mean legit. anything that like we forgot to mention that you wanna cap off Brock Meyer with before we move on to uh sports. I just watch it because it's so insane. Like it's such an insane show. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's so underrated. Like there there's never been a show this underrated. Oh, uh catastrophe. Yeah. <laughs> Which no one no one I know has has seen either. Yeah. The only reason I've seen it is because Hidze recommended it to me. I know yeah. this is like my the, the worst part of being like covering TV is just like I find so many gems that nobody sees and it's so difficult to sell people on things especially if they're not popular. Yeah. Like like if I recommend Euphoria for example, right? Everybody is 
will tend to take my recommendation because they have like confirmation bias around them. Twitter, Facebook, or whatever, sure. or Instagram is going nuts with Euphoria. So they're like, oh, maybe his deal is right. But if I say like, oh, go watch Brockmire, or go watch... Yeah, there's no news on it at all. And people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Nobody's, talk- nobody's even talking about this, you know? Exactly. And, 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 and part of the reason some people get into shows late is also a sense of FOMO, right? You know, you want to be in on the cultural yeah, conversation. This is not... This uh, is not... This is not lah. But just do yourself a favor. Bro, my is worth your time. Even if you don't, even if we are the only two people you get to talk about <laughs> it with, <laughs> uh, feel free to DM me, man. I will gladly talk Bro, my with you. Yeah. Um, our final topic of the night will be talking about Aaron Sorkin's uh, mm. sports night. Um, forget the newsroom. Um, this is I feel Aaron Sorkin's second best show After next to the West Wing. The West Wing, yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. And and some people might even consider Sports Night better than the West Wing. Because it didn't but have bad seasons. It didn't have bad seasons, exactly. And you know, Aaron Sorkin ran it uh, to an, uh, from, from beginning to end. Yeah. Uh, and this is the thing to keep in mind about the version of Aaron Sorkin that created the two-season ABC dramedy Sports Night. Um, he was not a name at that point. He was not a superstar screenwriter. Um, yes, he was a, re- a respected playwright. And he had done a few uh, breakthrough movies, like A Few Good Men, yeah, for example. Yeah, A Few Good Men. And but A American Few Good Men is not... American President. But A Few Good Men is not known as, a, as an Aaron Sorkin movie. It's no. known as a Rob Reiner movie. Or Rob Reiner, because director. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's not at a point where like, oh, um, you know, now, now everything Aaron Sorkin does is an Aaron Sorkin movie, mm. regardless of who's in it. Mm. But at that point, he was not, you know. He was an outright newcomer to television. This was his first TV show also. And he did something... Totally understandable with Sports Night. He filled it to the brim with ideas. Perhaps more than he needed for a show yeah. about a sports talk show. Yeah. Um, perhaps because he didn't know how many seasons or how many episodes he would get. Not uh, many. But ne- he was right. Not many. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's taken, because of that, it's taken on an interesting position within his body of work. It's something of a patient zero for the Aaron Sorkin world. Mm-hmm. Um, the show concerns the behind-the-scenes workings of a sports center style cable sports news show mm-hmm. um, anchored by cocky buddies uh, Casey McCall who's played by Peter Krause and Dan, Rad- uh, Dan Riddell played by Josh Charles uh, and produced by the kind of brilliant but flighty Dana Whittaker played by Felicity Huffman before she was big also um, there are a lot of other great characters in there as well and the themes and threads of the show reappear in the film's plays and shows that Sorkin will write about in the two decades that follows mm. you know, so much of the topics that he's interested in the politics that he's interested in um, found its way into Sports Night before it found its way into the newsroom. Uh, for example, talking about journalism and things like that or talking about politics in the West Wing. Yeah. All these topics were in this sports show yeah. and I have no idea how he managed to so organically weave in those topics. In 45 episodes. In 45 episodes. In a show about the sports talk show. Mm-hmm. But Aaron Sorkin did and thus it's, a, it's very highly subjective but I feel that this is one of Aaron Sorkin's pure, the, the purest, purest Aaron Sorkin show there was because this was when he poured all his ideas into 45 episodes and, and without knowing that he would have a TV career or movie career after this. This was just pure Aaron Sorkin. And for good or for bad, this is one of his best shows. Um, would you agree that it's better than The Newsroom in terms of like, you know, a show what? within a show? A Hell yeah! Uh, or Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Oh my God, okay. What are the problems with both of those shows? What's the number one yeah. issue? The actual show that they were making, like, as in like the, the fictional creators yes. within the TV show were making a terrible product. Correct. Studio 60 was making was a bad. terrible sketch show. Exactly. The sketch show was ridiculously stupid. The, the newsroom is the kind of high-handed liberal scolding Ugh. that made Don't Look Up so unpopular. Exactly. You know, um, and and he act, sports night on the flip side though, it actually feels quite even handed. Like yeah. yeah, there's a there is a lot of monologuing and walk and talking, and you know, but in political discourse. But I think Aaron Sorkin feels a bit more less angry mm-hmm. and more even handed and more willing to win hearts and minds exactly. rather than school you yeah. in sports night. Yeah, and also yeah. this, uh, I think each episode is like half an hour only, right? It's a sitcom, yeah. So twenty to twenty five. Yeah, minutes. so there was this like um, briskness about it that made it very easy to watch, also. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't know how the hell did he put in so many emotional like storylines in half an hour, so many yeah. times, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh man, and like the 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 pressures of working in a, I I feel like this showed, like the pressures of working in a newsroom, 
Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, even though it's on sports, but there's this pressure about it, about breaking news at at a certain time of uh quickly writing up like die uh, like um just the rush of it all uh, it felt like a a a rush to to get yeah. it out onto the TV lah, you know. Sports Life was interesting because it took place at the dawn of cable news. Mm. Um, because at, 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 at before the 90s, right, news was once a day at most, maybe twice a day. Mm. You know, it wasn't always as like 24 hours. Uh. So CNN kind of pioneered the 24-hour news cycle. And then forget about news media like, today lah, with the internet and everything. Mm. It's not it's not a 24-hour news cycle. It's like a a minute-by-minute minute news cycle. Yeah, which is like, crazy. It's crazy, but this is the dawn of it, lah, and and the the pressures of transitioning from that old media to the new media is really present here, and mm. I re- I like that aspect of it, especially as someone who's kind of worked in the newsroom before. Exactly, I mean you're a journalist, so you know, mm. this is kind of your thing. <laughs> Definitely, lah. I mean I've never covered sports, although that's always been my dream. But yeah, um, I think for all of my admiration for kind of Sorkin's um writing style and the substance that he writes. Mm-hmm. I think the way that he makes kind of very complex ideas seem clear and the frothier subjects worth of serious contemplation, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's most present in the West Wing. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, but I think it's also present here. You know, Sports Night is, you know, um, weirdly saddled with an inappropriate laugh track, you know, but this was forced upon sitcoms at that time. Yeah, like, yeah, you remember yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Sports Night had a laugh track, although yeah. you clearly should not they, have. And then in like uh, the DVD, um, when the DVDs were released, like, they kind of took it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then if you yeah. watched it in the newer versions, uh, there was no laugh track. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, thank God, you know. But I think it, it kind of weirdly works even with it the does, laugh track. It does, it does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it even adds to kind of Sports Night's period charm. Lah. Anyway, this is Sorkin creating the Sorkin sound. You get to see how his walk and talks, how his particular vernacular and vocabulary has developed, you know. Yeah. Everything that would crystallize in the West Wing was developed here. Lah. Um, and everything that would come out in Studio 60 and the newsroom was developed here, but better, you know. Um, it's been so long since I've seen Sports Night and for you as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, what do you recall? What do you, what do you think made it so memorable even 20 plus years later uh, is it really the dynamics of the characters the two uh, anchors were really good mm-hmm. um, what, what, and they, they went on to have really cool careers also lah. like one went yeah, on yeah, to yeah, the good wife them. and then one I can't remember what he does but never mind anyway uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, um, the, the next show that the guy did also was uh, Succeed Under on HBO which oh was, there we go know, one of yeah them. Yeah, um, one of the prestige drums uh, <laughs> that, that that spawned the genre. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, one of the things is that you not only you have the, the two very charismatic anchors and they are mm. like issues, right? Because like one of them is like this clever guy, you know, who has been, uh, who's an Ivy League guy and all that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it's also about the producers and all the you know all the the, the background stuff like you know all the producers the associate producers and research analysts you know and how uh, dealing with dealing with network executives uh, dealing with network you, executives oh my god it's so infuriating it feels like the truest thing in sports night because I feel like you know Aaron Sorkin himself was dealing with network executives <laughs> exactly so I think he just wrote that he, in you know he gets to meta comment yeah. on that like, and yeah. he had such really crisp walk and talks like yeah. I feel that their walks. I mean, West Wing also had a few memorable walk and talks, but yeah, Sports Night. Man, yeah, and all that. Oh come on! Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and keep in mind the period that this came out in the mid nineties. Walk and talks and this kind of weird smart dialogue yeah. was not seen on TV. This was just not around. You know, you remember like I mean, shows sitcoms like Friends were the norm. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I think the casual audience was not used to this style. In a way that, like today, we are used to it like, because we have seen the social network, we've seen the West Wing, yeah, exactly. And all of that, you know, um, this this is one of the heights of Aaron Sorkin for me. So, if you're a fan of Aaron Sorkin, if you liked uh, what was that courtroom drama last year, the trial of the Chicago Seven, oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, the one um, with the crazy racist judge. Yeah, correct, right. If you like shows like that, or go check out um Aaron Sorkin's earlier show, Sports Night, is very charming. It's only 45 uh, episodes. And it is very consistent in quality in the way that his other shows are not, um, including The West Wing, you know. Um, yeah, it, that's why I feel uh, Sports Night is very special. Um, yeah, um, any final thoughts on Sports Night before we cap it off, man? Man, I miss like the, the just the insane wittiness, the, the repartee and all that stuff that, that Sports mm-hmm. Night had between his mm-hmm. characters. 
I feel more TV shows need to do that. Um, I think TV shows nowadays are more okay with doing that. Yeah, they are. You know, think of like the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is you know. Um, oh, that one is a good. Uh, that's a good uh, example. Yeah, yeah, but that's by another very distinct witty writer, Amy Sherman Sherman Palladino, yeah, from who's like Gilmore Girls, right? Yeah, who's like the female Aaron Sorkin. Oh my God, yours. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for, for good and for bad, they they both have the same they both have very tendencies. Similar, yeah. Yeah, and the sound and sound of the dialogue is very similar as well. You know, a lot of what can talk. Amy Palladino. Uh, right? Amy Sherman Palladino, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, uh, who did Gilmore Girls and also the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, go check out Sports Night, uh, Brock Meyer, Talasso, and Friday Night Lights, and that caps it off for this episode of Behold. Um, clear eyes, full hearts, Landus. Landus. Uh, This has been Hit Zero. I'm Hardy. Goodbye, guys. Bye bye.